You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL on Twitter. Had fun answering those Twitter questions yesterday on our Twitter Tuesday, but today a fantastic guest talking Jacksonville Jaguars, AFC South. Suddenly a star-studded event in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, national championships galore, Urban Meyer, and of course the superstar that is today's guest, Tony Wiggins, the host of Locked On Jaguars. You can find him on Twitter at Shop Talking Wig, and of course daily on the Locked On Jaguars podcast. Uh, Tony, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. I think this Jacksonville Jaguars team year one of a new regime is fascinating to me. So I'm excited to have you on the show to chat about them today. Excited to talk about them. It's good to finally be able to talk about something positive, even if it hasn't happened yet. It just feels like something's good going to happen. So it's always good. <laughs> Normally, I'm a grief counselor. Normally, I'm always telling everybody <laughs> I'm, I'm diagnosing the bad stuff, but uh, it, it feels a little bit different for all of us to be able to be on the other side of the coin yeah i'd imagine when you uh, have folks in your barber chair which you also do in the area i'm sure you get some sad jaguars fans and you have to counsel them a little bit huh yeah you know what you know you guys being in the radio and in the talk industry that's pretty easy you know that kind of made my job easy even when i was doing terrestrial radio it made my job easy with them being bad i don't want my job to be that easy i want to find stuff to complain about see when the fan base when you complain when you talk bad about a team that they love that's 11 and 5 they get mad at you you know what i'm saying so it kind of <laughs> it's the other way around when when they're bad you want to talk bad and you want to point fingers and you want them to feel good about themselves and, and you you know because when they're bad the enemy of the fan is the enemy of the radio host you know what i'm saying so <laughs> it, it, it it's kind of easy when they're bad to, to to endear yourself to the fan base but uh hopefully we'll have to figure out a way to be creative and, and keep the people engaged because when the team is good, you can't say anything bad about them. Tony, I got a real quick question for you here. Yay or nay on urban Meyer. Yay. And it, it's because Yay. yeah, I, I've, I've always felt like they needed a CEO when Sean Khan first okay. bought the team and he made his first hire. He said he didn't want an egomaniac coach. And I thought that was a mistake because uh, an egomaniac is an identical twin to an accountable person. You know what I'm saying? It's like a guy that talks big and walks big. Well, he's going to wear those shoes when when it doesn't go go right. So over the years here, there was a lot of finger pointing. And you've seen it with the Jalen Ramsey article. Was it Tom Coughlin's fault? Was it uh, Dave Caldwell's fault? Was Gus Bradley too nice? All of these people were just talking and pointing fingers and nobody knew who was accountable. I think with an egomaniac or quote unquote, uh, a CEO coach, you're going to get somebody. Everyone is going to know if something goes wrong here, they're going to turn to look right at Urban Meyer. And I think that's a good thing, not a bad thing. So apparently it's looked a lot different with Urban Meyer in charge in just the few months that he's been there, even though there's not even been a training camp or any games, you can really feel the difference with Urban Meyer at the top of the heap. You can, you can, you really, it feels like, and I know I'm dating myself here, but it feels like Jimmy Johnson. And what mm -hmm. that means is, Urban might not be the best X's and O's guy, but he's really a delegator of authority. I mean, he, he hired 79 coaches. I, I'm joking, but it feels that way. And uh, quality control people all over the place. You think a guy 
who people labeled as an egomaniac would want everything under his control and, and not really have to delegate so much authority. But I remind people all the time that Nick Saban has 20 analysts on his staff at Alabama and Nick Saban really doesn't call plays. I think the best coaches are the guys that are able to put people in position and allow those people and lead the leaders. And I think that's what Urban Meyer is intending to do here in Jacksonville. That's a really good way of looking at it. And I, I think that is a positive, especially, you know, considering how down this franchise has been and, you know, there is a face, there's a CEO. H how much do you think he's going to dabble in X's and O's or is he going to leave the offense to Bevel and the, the, the defense to Cullen? I think he's going to have his, his finger on it. He's going to have mm -hmm. his imprint on the whole thing uh, with what it, what he wants it to look like. Uh, you know, you can't come into the NFL and do what Chip Kelly did and, and think that you're going to just totally turn this into the Oregon offense where you're running tempo. Right. All of that stuff, you know, to me, that's fine. But the NFL is the NFL for a reason because everyone pretty much outsmarts the other person and then everybody catches on and then they copycat them. And you're not going to reinvent the wheel in the NFL. But I do think with all of the RPOs and over the last decade where things have kind of changed towards the college game, I think Urban is at a little bit of an advantage because he was one of those people that allowed the NFL to kind of go back and change a little bit. But the thing is, is when he hired his staff by him going to get Daryl Bevel and Joe Cullen, those two guys that have been around the league for a long time, it lets you know that he's smart enough to realize you can't turn this into Ohio state or Florida. The NFL has a way of doing things. And I think he's going to probably dabble a little bit offensively with the way things look. And you can tell by the draft picks that he did with, with Travis Etienne uh, at the end of the second round, he had a great rookie running back last year, but he says, no, that's not enough. So that's a college approach where you can stack running backs. They don't usually do stuff like that in the NFL, but he says they needed speed and he's going to get speed. You're going to see jet sweeps. You're going to see all kinds of stuff, man. It's weird. Oh, I, I'm glad you brought up Travis Etienne because that's one guy I'm targeting in all my fantasy leagues, and uh, I love the the explosive ability he has, and I like the fact that in spring practices they were splitting him out wide as a wide receiver and, and trying to work that part of his game. The one thing that worries me is are they going to try to force ATN into being a wide receiver or is he a, going to be a running back who can catch the ball? Because I don't think as good as Robinson was as a rookie as an undrafted free agent, he wasn't brought on by this regime. I don't think that there is a roadblock for ATN to not become a massive part of that offense, especially when you're developing a rookie quarterback. So uh, I'm trying to steal ATN in all of my fantasy leagues this year before he blows up because I really don't think there's much of a roadblock for him to become the number one weapon in that offense really quickly. Do you think I'm on the right track there? Sort of. And, and the reason why I tell you that is because don't let James Robinson fool you. He's the type of football player. I don't care what type of coach you are. You're going to absolutely love him when you get around him. And, and Urban has already said that because the kid is a hard worker. He kind of keeps his head down. I say this all the time and people kind of go, whoa, slow down. So I'm not going to make a comp to a guy. But if I had to give uh, a little bit of a gauge on what type of personality he has, it's Walter Payton. And I'm not saying he's Walter Payton, so don't kill me. Ooh. But what I'm saying <laughs> is, is the, the kind of guy that keeps his head down. And if you can imagine the dude probably running the hill at three o'clock in the morning, if I had to choose one guy that I thought was doing that on his team, it's James Robinson and coaches love guys like that because they're going to be three or four times this year where he's going to be a bell cow and he's going to be the guy that nobody's looking at because of all of the draft status and all of the the funny nicknames that everybody else might have and like visca and all of that stuff and those dynamic talented players 
and the game will get close, and they'll hand that ball off to that kid five or six times, and he'll get eight yards of chunk. Don't get it twisted. He is a after-contact, always getting that body lean, getting that extra half yard that makes the difference. And coaches love guys like that, and I think Urban's going to love them too. Now, as far as ETN is concerned, I kind of picture him in a role. I don't think he's going to be – He's not. they're not going to make him a wide receiver because they got three or four receivers already. But what he is is he'll be a guy in a two-back set that'll go line up in the slot, that'll come across that formation the way Noah Turner used to do guys on fake jet sweeps all game. And then as soon as you think, oh, they're running him in motion again, they're going to pitch it to him. And he's going to take off and run for 60 yards. I think that's what he is. He won't get as many touches as you probably uh, think he should, but I think he'll get the quality of touches. He probably will be the guy that will lead them in yards per touch because of the way they're going to design the offense. I thought it was pretty smart to use ATN at wide receiver in minicamp. I mean, it's it, those minicamps aren't full contact. Sometimes you don't even have a full roster. You can't even put 11 on 11. It's hard for running backs to excel. So why not give them some foundational wide receiver, you know, knowledge, traits, things like that. That's the only way I saw that. Yeah, and Fred Taylor said that. Fred Taylor said no, the instinctive – one of the things that running backs – the reason I'm in good why, company then. Yeah, the, re- the reason why running backs uh, adapt so quickly to the NFL is because they've been running their whole life. I mean, there's only so many things you can do with a zone read or whatever. They've instinctively been doing that forever. So that's why the, the rookie uh, jump isn't as high for running backs. So Fred says, why don't we just do things that he doesn't do instead of just doing the thing that comes more natural to him? So it wasn't just him. Pittsburgh did it to the kid that they drafted out of Alabama, but nobody made a big deal out of him. He was playing wide receiver. He's 230 pounds. Yeah. The thing, and also uh, Trevor was coming off of a labrum surgery. They weren't doing a bunch of handoffs. They just weren't. And, and, and Trevor was the only quarterback in that rookie minicamp, the one that everybody was making all of that fuss about. They weren't letting him hand the ball off to people because, you know, they didn't want him to get injured. Even if it was a non-throwing hand, but they just weren't doing it. So the, the bottom line is I had no problem with it, and I understand uh, that it's just a part of football and it's the way the game is played these days. I think people made too much of that. For a rebuilding team, maybe some potential for – some players on the move to collect more draft capital for veteran players currently on that Jaguars roster. Three names in particular that we will talk about next. I'd like to take a moment here to tell you about Bet Online, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. And then when I say all your sports, everything Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, playoffs, super fun. Even more fun when you've got a little bit of extra action on those games. UFC, MMA, celebrity boxing, golf, everything you could imagine betting on, they've got available. They've got lines on it at Bet Online. You've got some futures bets when it comes to NFL teams, over under win totals on your favorite team, rookie of the year. MVP and Super Bowl champion. So uh, before you do anything else, head over to Bet Online. Your laptop, mobile device, your desktop computer. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Get your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit using promo code Locked On. That's promo code Locked On at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I want to follow up a little bit on the James Robinson stuff. And it sounds like, Tony, that you really like that young man and you think he's going to be a huge part of that offense. But I've seen a lot of talk recently with the torn Achilles from Cam Akers and the Rams and the fact that the the Jaguars did spend a first-round pick on Travis Etienne, that James Robinson could be someone who could be utilized as a trade 
chip. And for a, a young developing team like the Jaguars that might not need that close out the game type of a hammer running back like James Robinson, maybe it would help them to flip an undrafted free agent for a draft pick. If the Rams came calling, do you think you could see a situation where the Jaguars send James Robinson to L.A. or another team that comes calling for a running back this offseason? I don't think so, because if you do that, you're putting yourself in a situation that the Rams just basically showed you is a bad situation, which means you got one running back and those guys are a, a twisted ankle, a high ankle sprain from you having none if you don't have that backup player. So, no, I don't think they're going to do that. Plus, I don't think the Rams have any first round draft picks until 2077. <laughs> the, way that they, the way that they give those things away. But I think Urban wants to see it. I think he's going to play them both. I do believe that this uh, – I wouldn't be surprised if they are above 50% in snaps on, on runs and they throw it a little bit less. Um, and that's not because the fact that they don't have um, confidence in, in their quarterback and their receivers. I just believe that when you really look at Urban Meyer and who he is, he's always been a run-first quarterback. Even when he had Tim Tebow, because his quarterback was running back then. So the thing is, he's always been a run-first coach. And I think they really, really want to hammer that and run the ball behind that big offensive line and control the game and and just be competitive and be in a position to make plays in the fourth quarter. So I think they're going to keep him. I think uh, he's cheap, even though you know he was an undrafted free agent. Why not keep him around? You got a productive player that you're not paying a bunch of money for. There's no need to rush everything here. Just come out, take a quick look at what you got, and, and then go from there. I think a bigger trade chip might be, at some point, the franchise left tackle in Cam Robinson uh, because teams will will lose guys at some point. They drafted Walker Little to be his replacement. They did not extend Cam Robinson. So a bigger trade chip is this. If Walker Little comes into camp and absolutely blows it up, which everybody thinks he's going to because he looks very, very good out there, watch out uh, for the trade deadline if they don't, look around at some teams that are hurting at left tackle, especially teams that think they can make a run and go, hey, we got this guy, you know, he's a franchise dude. You can tag him again next year or you can, you know, try to work something out with him uh, after the season. But uh, throw us a second round pick because we got a dude that's behind him that's better. I think that's the probably more, more likely scenario than the running back. That's the first I heard that and I love it. That makes a lot of sense to me. I was going to bring up Gardner Minshew. Do you think he could move? Yeah, I do. I really do think Gardner mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Now, what's hurt Gardner, what's hurt him moving is everybody that needed quarterbacks kind of went out and got one. And then the other thing mm -hmm. is CJ CJ Beathard came in and didn't look good. He hasn't looked good in these mini camps and, and OTAs. It's because he's they not paid good. him a little they paid he's him not a good. That's money. why he looked that way. <laughs> yeah, but they paid him a little bit of money and, and what they paid him suggests that he's gonna be on the team at some point. So had he come in as a veteran who can throw the ball around a little bit and looked better. I think Gardner would have been on the move. And there's another player who's on the cheap that while he has some hiccups and he can't really, uh, I don't think long-term lead a team, he's definitely a guy that can come in and win some games for you because at, at the end of the day, he's just a gamer and that's what he is. He's like having Sean McVay with a helmet on. That's what he is to me. He's just the dude that knows. Yeah, there's a market everybody. for him. Yeah, there's a market for him. It's just that you wonder what what is the market. And it almost takes somebody to lose somebody in the preseason for Gardner, for you to really, really get your value. You got a guy that won games that completed almost 70% of his passes that has way more touchdowns than picks. And again, he's cheap because he was a six-round pick. I just wouldn't throw him away and give him away for nothing just because you got somebody at his position. All right. We, we know that 
Urban Meyer's no dummy. Uh, and just a, a genius move on his part to find the right franchise, the right situation for him to dive into the NFL with a head coaching job with the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that needs an identity, a team, as you put earlier, Tony, that needed that CEO. Uh, and he can be an egomaniac if he wants to, and that's maybe what that franchise needed. He's in charge. He's the face of the franchise. He's in charge of the offense, the defense, the special teams, and the personnel department, even though he has coaches there and he has a GM. He's the guy. Um, and what a perfect opportunity for a team that has the number one overall pick in a year where a quote-unquote generational quarterback is available in Trevor Lawrence. So Trevor Lawrence, i got to talk about this. We talked about his backups already in Gardner Minshew and C.J. Beathard, but what about the the young rookie? I know he had that surgery before the, the spring practices. What have you seen so far? What's the word on Trevor Lawrence? I know everyone's going to uh, love him as a prospect and, and love how tall he is and, and how long his beautiful hair is and you know just all his athleticism, the way he can sling it. Is there any personality traits, anything you've seen so far from Trevor Lawrence that gives any clues to what kind of guy and what kind of pro he's going to be for the Jaguars? Yeah, there was a video, a viral video of him working out at Clemson and then later on that evening, they were on some lake. By the way, I'd never jump into a lake. I'm just not that. At 52 years old, I'm not jumping into <laughs> a lake. The man. I'm, yeah. But but he just was, like monsters in there or what? Yeah, I, I, I'd be the dude that jumped in the lake and all and the biggest hippo in the world. I don't even know if hippos swim in lakes, but they'll <laughs> they'll find me. You know what I'm saying? It's I'm the obligatory black guy that gets killed in the, in the beginning of every horror movie. That's me, and I know it'll happen. So I'm not <laughs> Jason Voorhees. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not doing it, but. He had his wide receivers up, and they were at the lake. You know, they were on the dock pretending that they were running routes, and then they all jumped into the lake. To me, what it is is when you talk about leaders, everyone can talk about it, and everyone can say someone's a leader. Find find a guy that everyone says is a leader. Look behind him and look around him and see if anybody's walking with him. And they're already walking with him. So he's winning half the battle right there, and he's humble. Uh, he's ingratiated himself into the city. People were thinking that he wouldn't like Jacksonville and he wanted to go to New York. I don't know why they think that when he's from the country in Georgia, about three hours away from here. So he really loves it. He's he's really uh, he, he's just really, really bought into Duval and what this whole thing is. And the thing about it is when you saw the footage of him on the practice field and I've stood on that practice field for years and you saw Blake Bortles and you saw Minshew. And you saw all of these guys. I used to see Mark Burnell back in the day, and he was good. And I saw Garrard and Leftwich. There was just something about him when you saw him out there, man. It's almost as if he's secretariat. You know, when you look at Williamson, you know this. When you see a prospect and you go, oh, that's mm -hmm. what this is. Yeah, 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 that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. So if I felt that as a spectator and you see his teammates buying into it, well, that's half the battle with them believing in you and believing that you can can get things done. So uh, this franchise is upside down with enthusiasm and with anticipation uh, for what it's looking like. I did a podcast last week where I told everybody, look, he's going to make mistakes. Everyone does. Peyton made mistakes. OK, Mahomes didn't, but he didn't start his rookie year. So I kind of always tell people, just hold on, watch it, just be still. It's different from him and Justin Herbert because Justin Herbert, people were down on him and he, he you know, he should have gone higher and he didn't. All of a sudden, he's playing lights out. This is different for Trevor because now he's really in a fishbowl where every little thing he does is going to either be blown up one way or blown up. The negative stuff is going to be blown up and the, the positive stuff is going to be blown up. So it's a little bit different. That's why I think it's incumbent of Urban Meyer 
to run the type of offense that takes the pressure off of him and puts him in certain positions and situations as opposed to uh, leaning on him to lead on the field and, and just have it be a sort of a one-man show. And I think Urban has pretty much said that, that it's not going to be all on him. It's going to be a team effort. In that first year, that year was with the Browns. One of the first teams we hosted were the Bengals. And pregame, I'm walking around the sidelines and just checking out the other team and walk past some Palmer at that point and go, oh, that's what the first pick of the draft supposed to look like. You know, like, he looks yep. different than everybody else. I haven't seen somebody like that in person. Wow. And he's just warming up. Anyway, you mentioned Visca. That's my guy. I mean, no offense to Chark or Jones. I think they're fine players. But we were talking about this on Locked on Dynasty this week. I really think, and it might take some time, that Visca could be a lot more like A.J. Brown than he is Cordell Patterson. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Um, I saw him in training camp last year. He looks like a RoboCop. He's oh, so bet. muscular. The calves are big and – and the muscle, it made me reevaluate myself in the car on the way home. And I looked down at myself and I'm like, how does my wife even stay with me after looking at this dude all day on the, on the field? But <laughs> it's funny, like I'm talking about my Browns year. When I saw T.O. in person, I'm like, him and I are not the same species. He looks like a no. cartoon character. Yeah. Yeah, it's different. The thing with him is people were concerned about the soft tissue injuries and because he tries to pull away from every single play. He's he's gonna learn, and he learned it last year. When it's over, run out of bounds. Don't don't take all of that contact. But I think he had over twenty plays where he got fifteen yards uh, or better, and, and most of it was after contact. I think more than ETN, he's gonna be Urban's toy. That's the guy that's gonna be that that dude that everyone thinks Urban drafted Travis ETN. Urban drafted Travis ETN because this team lacked big plays and he needed explosiveness. And he sat there and been a college football analyst for the last four years or so. And he's watched this dude run up and down the field in big playoff games. So that's why he drafted him. This team needed speed. They lacked speed and explosiveness. They don't lack that anymore. I think Visca is the guy. LaVisca Chenault is going to be the dude that is going to be the toy uh, that they use, that they, that little shovel pass that he used to throw to Aaron Hernandez at Florida when Trevor uh, drops back and he just kind of underhanded throws the ball underneath. I think that's Chenault. I think Chenault is his Percy Harvin more so than uh, Travis Etienne. Where I was going with it, though, is I think he could be even more. I mean, a route runner, throw him a slant, shrug off a corner, you know, even more traditional receiver stuff in time. But no, I, I agree with you. And DJ Chark. Okay, yeah. DJ Chark, this is the last year of his rookie contract, and Urban raved about Visca, whereas Chanel, he gave him constructive criticism. I mean, Chark, he gave constructive criticism. He told him he's a big guy that didn't play big. He played like a little guy last year. And that, in football, that's a, that's one of the biggest uh, insults that you can get. If you're 6'4", and the dude told you you played small. And they didn't extend him. Now, I know Tony Khan loves DJ Chark, but if you're right, and I think you are onto something, Williamson, What's going to happen is Chark may be the reason why, I mean, uh, so Chenault may be the reason why Chark doesn't get the money that he wants yeah, or yeah, that people anticipated that he might get because they're like, they might look at it and go, no, we're not going to pay you to be, we're not going to give you $15 million a year to be number two. I think Chark uh, is not going to really establish himself as the number one receiver this year. I think that's going to be LaVisca Chenault. I totally agree with you. And there should be some space over the middle of the field, right? Because Chark and Jones are both outside the numbers downfield guys. 
there's not much a tight end there unless Tim Tebow, uh, I, unless Tim Tebow's more than uh, than I expect there. And to be honest with you, I don't know much at all about the other tight ends on this roster. Fifth rounder Luke Farrell is there. O'Shaughnessy, Manhurts. Uh, I mean, I guess Tebow does have an opportunity to compete because there's not you know some uh, substantial entrenched player there at tight end but I just look at the roster and even with the backup wide receivers with Philip Dorsett and Colin Johnson who's a 6'5 outside the numbers guy LaVisca Chenault should have room to roam over the middle of the field and should be that number one option on anything you know inside of 10 yards if you miss a tackle on him it, it's pay dirt oh yeah that's just what it is and if you're lined up one-on-one with him and tackling is a problem then you're gonna be on the bench because like I said he's the dude is 227 pounds. He, he's, he's about six one and a half, six two, And uh, it's almost like Andre Johnson, but maybe a, a tad shorter and a little bit thicker. The dude can really, really flat out play, and he'll embarrass a guy if he can't tackle. LaVisca's going to make life really, really hard for a lot of people uh, in those one-on-one situations. And that's where I think ETN absolutely helps everything. You run him in motion where he's matched up against a safety or a linebacker, and it starts to open up the middle of that field. You get Chark and Jones on the outside. Trevor, with his ability to extend plays because of his legs and having that arm talent, I'm, I'm really, really excited for this offense, and I want to see what it looks like. More with Tony Wiggins coming up. Where can this Jaguars team go in the AFC South in 2021 and beyond? Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor? Coconut, coconut almond, peanut butter is my favorite, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, raspberry, some of the classic flavors there, and they're filtering through new flavors all the time. Something for everyone. And as we know from the Built Bar bracket, some passionate fans about their favorite flavors. Not only are Built Bar the best tasting protein bars on the market, they're healthy too. We're talking 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams of net carbs, and 4 grams of sugar. You can find a flavor that satisfies you or build your own box of Built Bars and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. Go to BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. I think we'd all agree that there's more rebuild pieces in place on offense than defense but who are some names young guys in particular that you know might become a little bit more household names on defense i think miles jack if this team would have won more than one game last year miles jack would have probably gotten some all pro consideration um i think he's their best player on defense um he finally found a home at weak side linebacker after uh they played him a strong side under gus and then they tried him at mike once Puzzlesny uh, retired, it just wasn't his thing, man. He needed to run free and be a free-flowing guy. So when Telvin Smith retired a couple of years ago, they finally were able to move him to weak side linebacker. Now they're switching up, and they're running a, a, a sort of a hybrid defense under Joe Cullen, which is a 3-4. three floor, a three four. But you, you've seen guys who are traditional wheel linebackers like Levante David be able to make that transition as long as they have a guy next to them who can take the mic responsibilities. You can still sort of be a weak side linebacker in that 3-4. I kind of call it an inside linebacker. Navarro Bowman did the same thing with Patrick Willis. I almost say it's not a mic linebacker, but it's more of an inside linebacker who plays like a will. And I think uh, you're going to be able to see him as long as uh, the the, the guys up front can keep people up off of him. You're going to see a guy, Miles Jack, who's super, super explosive. He's in better physical condition because of Urban Meyer's offseason training program. 
I think he's on the on the verge of becoming a household name at, at linebacker. The other's Josh Allen. Josh Allen has to get back to his rookie form. Uh, he wasn't the same last year without Yannick Ngakwe and Calais Campbell. Um, I heard uh, through the grapevine that he was bothered by a little bit of a knee injury. And he was also probably bothered by the fact that he knew the team wasn't very good and he wasn't motivated. And he had a rookie on the other side and Caleb on chase on. All of those dudes have to play better. They have to play better. But Miles Jack played well last year. Some secondary guys to look out for. They got Sha- Shaquille Griffin from uh, Seattle to go opposite of C.J. Henderson. And then they drafted the Campbell, the Tyson Campbell kid out of Georgia early in the second round. So now you got a bunch of corners to 6-1-6-2 that can all run with length. It's going to be interesting to see how Joe Cullen designs the offense. Oh, the, I'm sorry, the defense and gets those guys uh, to start playing under one accord. So that's yeah, the big who's in the slot. It seems like they have three outside guys. Yeah. So what they did was they they had uh, DJ Hayden, but he's not back. So they had Sidney Jones from last year. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to play Tyson Campbell there because I think what they want to do is they want to blitz him. They think he he can be very successful. Uh, as sort of that guy who can play in the slot and then blitz off of that short corner. So I think that's what they're going to do. Eventually, he, he's going to uh, – he can play outside or inside. I think they're going to go with Tyson Campbell, the, the second-round pick, and then they got some guys that they had last year and Sidney Jones and a few other veterans. But they don't have the typical slot guy. See, because when, yeah, they, think, sure when they think they're at the top of the second round, I was trying to, you know, wonder all night long, okay, are they going to go for the slot? I thought they were going to take Asante Samuel Jr. Mm. Because – he's the perfect you seem like he's the perfect slot guy because he's short and he's quick they don't want that they have an athletic profile that they stick to they want long athletic players and their entire secondary all of those guys are six feet or better all of them so long uh, arms on all of them yep you're right you think about the ravens think about baltimore that's how they want to play they want they want those long physical guys that can run and they're going for their athletic profile and i think uh, they did a good job uh, this offseason in doing that uh, certainly long and athletic and just athletes everywhere. And you look at this defense, I mean, sim on offense, there's a bunch of high draft picks as well because they've had so many picks in the last couple of years. But there's eight first or second round draft picks on the defensive side of the ball that could all, all be playing together. And then a few free agents on top of that and a couple of later round picks mixed in. But this team has a ton of talent. So if things go right, Tony, is 2001 too soon for them to start making noise? But you mentioned how, you know, to pump the brakes on Trevor Lawrence and it can take a while. Are we looking more at 2022 for the Jaguars to really make some waves in the AFC South? I think so because I'm a traditionalist and I have so much respect for the game. It's just that I I don't think you can, you know, you got to put the enthusiasm and all that aside because it still comes down to the details. It comes down to converting first downs. It comes down to uh, uh, execution of offense and defense you know, all the happy stuff and the sunshine and rainbows from the way the offseason went. I mean, they 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 hit the lottery. They they got Trevor Lawrence and then they got Urban Meyer and then they had a really good draft with a bunch of salary cap room and free agency. They went the infrastructure route as opposed to going out and getting superstars. They just signed like a whole bunch of guys that were guys that they could develop to make the team better. And the best guys on the team outside of Lawrence and ATN are the guys that Dave Caldwell actually picked. It's it's the uh, it's Miles Jack, it's Josh Allen, it's C.J. Henderson, it's Caleb Von Chason, it's the left tackle who got franchised, it's D.J. Chalk, it's Avishka Chenault, it's James Robinson. They had guys that they picked. The problem with the old regime is they didn't team build. So in one offseason, the Jaguars signed 13 free agents 
and then drafted 10 other guys. They did the infrastructure stuff and they team built when people really thought that they were going to go out and go crazy. It's almost like the Jimmy Johnson deal. And I keep bringing that up, but that's what Jimmy did when he traded Herschel Walker. He team built through that, through that process. And I think that's what they've done here. So the outlook for me is because of the respect that I have for this league and because of the respect that I have for the coaches and the way uh, continuity works, I just think they'll be in a bunch of games. They won't get blown out. They won't beat themselves. But at the end of the day, there'll be losses that you won't feel as bad about because you know what's coming. So with 17 games, I say eight and nine or nine and eight this year. And uh, but a feel good uh, approach to it. I think coaches will leave going. Even if they beat the Jaguars, they'll walk off and you might see one of the coaches whisper to the other guy, we got a problem. I love it. The 2022 AFC South champion Jacksonville Jaguars, who absolutely look like they are on the come up. Tony Wiggins, host of Locked on Jaguars at Shop Talking Wig on Twitter, a.k.a. Amp Wig, a.k.a. T-Wig. Tony, appreciate you joining the show today. I'm glad to be here. And I thank you guys for what you've done for us uh, on the NFL side of Locked on, because without you guys blazing that trail, uh, we wouldn't be where we are. So I appreciate both of you guys. Thank you very much. No, thank you. This was a blast.